0: I want to teach you something that is so important that I'm going to say it twice, expectations ruin relationships. Let me say that again, expectations ruin relationships. What that means is that all of us go into almost all of our experiences with some sort of an expectation. But if those expectations are not articulated, spoken of, agreed upon, then what it ends up doing is those expectations put a standard on almost every relationship and every experience that you're going to feel let down and it actually ruins the relationship. That's true with friendships, that's true within our families, that's true within our marriages, that's true on our jobs. And it is also true in a place that there shouldn't be so much pain, but there is, and that's the idea of church. That one right there. Enjoy. You got me a timer? Okay. I get the pleasure of being a pastor, but what I want to tell you is that church is messy. Church is not a building, church is people. A whole group of people from all different backgrounds who gather together in the name of Jesus. And the reason church is messy is because people are messy, right? Church has always been, when, they, when the church comes together, when people gather together, you're bringing people together, people with issues, growing edges, and I hate to say it, but the church can be incredibly messy, and especially in this cultural moment, it almost feels like the church has fallen on hard times because people have this expectation that the church is going to be perfect, that everyone is going to be amazing, the most godly and loving, forgiving people, but then they become part of a church, and unfortunately, that's not what they see all the time. Now, I don't want to excuse some of the issues in church. We're all in process, and we're all growing. But the biblical expectation, what Jesus tells us about what church is, is that we shouldn't expect the church to be perfect because there's more variables going on within the life of the church than just the finished work of Jesus. It's supposed to be focused on that. But because everyone's growing, there's a lot of things going on. And so today, as we explore what is commonly called the parable of the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds, we're going to see that actually Jesus shows us the expectation of what we should have for who the church is and what the church is all about. Now, this is what I want to tell you. There's another picture about what the church is that the Apostle Paul gives us in the book of Ephesians. He tells us that the church is the bride of Christ. But she is a bride being prepared for her wedding day. Now, that's a very powerful picture because if you think about a beautiful wedding, and every wedding is beautiful in its own way, the bride, as she's standing there before her spouse, before her family and loved ones, making those vows of love and covenant to another person, on that moment, they're in the gown. Everything looks perfect. It's a beautiful scene. But if you've ever helped someone get ready for their wedding day, you realize in the days and weeks and even minutes leading up to that beautiful moment, there's all sorts of stuff going on. There's hair problems and there's dress problems and there's bridesmaid problems, right? And the church as we exist right now is a bride being prepared for her wedding day. And I'm not, again, I don't want to excuse the issues of church. I don't want to just pretend like it's not happening or I don't just want to say, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. But what we're going to see is that God today, in each one of us, as the church, as individual members of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, wants us to grow up, but he does want to manage our expectations so we don't get sour on church because the church is imperfect. Because according to Jesus, Jesus says the church actually isn't perfect yet. Now in order to get at this, the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the wheat, we see this in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus tells the parable in verses 24 to 30 and then beautifully Jesus actually interprets the parable for us in verses 36 to 43. Now I'm gonna give you like a little thumbnail of the story. There is a man and he has a field and he's going to sow the field with seed. Now you have to realize that this is happening in a time before Costco or before your favorite supermarket that people had to grow their own food and so people preparing the soil Putting that seed in for the crop of the harvest was very important. And so this man, all of his servants, they go on out, they, they, they sow this field with all of this, these wheat seeds. And then sure enough, when it starts growing up, what they don't realize is that after they sowed the, the seed, his enemy came and put weeds in the field, right? So their expectation, man, this is going to be a beautiful harvest. There's going to be so much crop. But then when it starts growing up, all of a sudden, like, wait, there's not just wheat in this field. There's weeds in this field. And the servants come, like, did you not sow good seed? And the man whose field it was understood what was going on. He's like, actually, my enemy did that. And then they say, well, what should we do? Should we pull up all the weeds? And the the field owner said something amazing. He said, actually, don't. Because if you pull up the weeds, you're also going to kill some of the wheat. So let it all grow up together. We'll separate it at harvest time. Simple story. Classic parable. In that culture, people grew their own food. They had their own fields. So this would be something that they would have understood. And then when they came, and said, hey, Jesus, will you explain to us what was that parable all about? He explained something that gives us the proper expectations for the church. He said, listen, the field is the people of God and the seed is the children of the kingdom. Remember when we looked at the parable of the sower, really the parable of the soils, the parable of the different heart conditions? The wheat is actually that good soil that is bearing fruit, right? He's like, and, that, and that's the good seed, that's the wheat. He's like, but the enemy is the devil, and the weeds are the sons of the enemy's kingdom. And, and really what he's saying is that within the church, not everybody is a child of God. Not everybody is abiding in Jesus. Not everybody has... Put their faith and trust in Jesus. They may, maybe they said, hey, I believe in Jesus. But in their hearts, they haven't made that decision. In a lot of ways, it's like that picture of Judas Iscariot, of the disciples. He was with the disciples. People knew that he was one of the disciples. But his heart was not with Jesus. And because of that, you know the story of all that went on with Judas. And really what he's saying is that, it's not the time right now to pull out, try and figure out who's really in and who's really out. Jesus' plan is for it to all grow up together, knowing that at harvest time, it's the end of the age. At that, what we call the final judgment. And at that point, there'll be a separation of those who are fruitful, the wheat, from the weeds. And what's really... Interesting about that is all through the scriptures we have the same idea that at the coming judgment, when Jesus returns, he's going to separate the, the sheep from the goats. you get that in matthew twenty five another one of those parable stories where there's a separation out. Now, what does this teach us? and I think that this is really, really important. First, our job is to make sure that we are bearing fruit. That's one of the common themes of the parables, and I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you listen. The only way fruit is born is for us to abide in Jesus. Jesus talked about this. John chapter 15, where he said that I am the vine and you are the branches. And unless you abide in me, you can't bear any fruit. But if you abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. And so this idea of abiding, that word abiding means to dwell. I like to use the picture of a mother who has a child in her womb. That umbilical connection where the child who is growing in his mother's womb, is receiving the nourishment from his mother. That is what it means for us to abide in Jesus, where we are connected to Jesus. We are believing in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And when that happens, now all of a sudden, the the life of Jesus, the, the, the reality of the resurrection is now doing a work of reviving and building us up and we're growing. So as long as we're abiding in Jesus then we will grow and we will bear fruit, so that we will be that good seed, the the, the children of the kingdom. Now, second, you have to realize that Satan has got plans for the church. Now, I I don't want to be all weird about it, but you have to realize that Satan loves to be in church on Sunday. Why? Because if Satan can discourage, can get off track the people of God, he knows it's going to diminish the witness of Jesus. It's going to be salt that loses its flavor, as Jesus talked about. It'll be a light that's a little bit diminished. And Satan has plans for the people of God. And we have to be on guard. We should never be ignorant of of the enemy's devices to try and steal, kill, and destroy. I love to tell people that the enemy's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy our intimacy. First with God then our understanding of ourselves and then our intimacy, our deep relational ability with other people. I'm not talking physical intimacy, I'm talking about real relational intimacy. That's Satan's plan, it's always been his plan. And within the church, not everybody Who is at church is a born-again follower of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be hating on them. That doesn't mean that we should be going around. Our job is to love people right where they are. And one of the things that I've found is that one of the issues we have in church, not only do we have the enemy's plans for the church to rip the people of God off, but we also have people are just in process. People are growing. If you read through the Gospels, it's amazing when you watch these great disciples and all the mistakes that they made. It's one of the reasons I love the Scriptures. Because the Bible isn't either overly optimistic or really depressingly pessimistic. It's just radically real. And what you find is Peter, that great pillar in the church, preached on the day of Pentecost did all sorts of dumb stuff in the Gospels. Stuff that when I read it, I'm like, oh, I'm so grateful God chose Peter just to encourage me on the journey. You have someone like Thomas. Thomas, we know him as Doubting Thomas. That wasn't his only story, but remember Thomas, like, I won't believe in Jesus unless I can see those wounds and touch them. He needed that evidence. See, all through the Gospels, the the disciples make mistakes, but Jesus isn't done with them yet. So one of the issues we have in church is just the fact that all of us are growing. And because all of us are growing, Our job is to extend grace, to speak the truth in love to people so that we can help people grow. I'll be honest, I get the pleasure of being a pastor, but I'm so grateful I have people in my life who check out my life, who make sure that I'm making good decisions, who will tell me, hey, Fusco, I'm not sure that's the best way to handle that. I don't think you handle that situation well. Not because they are judging me, but because they love me and they realize that I'm in process. So here's what I want to tell you. Never write off church. It's God's plant. It's His bride. right? Don't also let the church let you down because the church is flawed. Jesus already told us it is flawed. It is a field that's got fruitfulness and also weeds in it. But we always have to remember that ultimately God is going to purify His church. He does it through His Spirit and through His Word as we're growing. And at the end of the age He's going to be separating out who is truly His and who is it? And this is what I want to say to you. When that day comes, I want you to be one of those people who God said, you've been fruitful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. This is my child. And that comes from you and I abiding in Jesus no matter what anybody else does. So never forget, the church is messy because people are messy, but God is doing a work. And so we can trust him and keep walking in biblical community in his name. if audio